Thank you to our, our worship team and thank you to Chen for leading us in uh, communion this morning. It's, it's a blessing to be with you in person and also online. Uh, we are going to just do a few sermons that over the next few weeks that are some things that have kind of been on, on my heart, not necessarily going through a series because I know it's summertime, people will be kind of in and out and busy. So I hope that these messages will be uh, a blessing uh, to you. I also want to thank uh, Austin and everybody who shared last week, um, over the last couple of weeks as they took our, our services, and I'm, I'm thankful for the chance my family got to go and be in the Denver area. My brother lives in Austin, Texas, and so for the summer, he tries to get his family out of the oppressive heat in Austin, and uh, they go up to a little town called Salida, Colorado, which is kind of the middle of nowhere, and so we spent a week uh, with them. They were staying at an Airbnb that used to be an old church building, which is a little creepy, but uh, we, we made it. There weren't too many ghosts in there, and then the following week, Mandy's brother uh, lives in the Denver area, and he turns 40 at the end of the month, so we got to spend some time with uh, each of our families, which was just, just a real blessing for us, so we're thankful for the time that we got to be away, but also I missed being with you all. When I got baptized, I was 12 years old, and for those of you that don't know, I grew up in this area. I actually grew up at this church, so it happened right up there, and when I got baptized, then the um, following day, I will always remember this moment, I did something to my brother that was clearly wrong. And he said, dude, didn't you get baptized yesterday? That was like his, his initial response. And that was like the trump card that he used on me for at least several weeks. And I'll always remember that moment because it was a moment for me that I really genuinely still carry with me to this day. When you think about like what baptism means and it's this very significant thing and it's important. And then you're screwing up pretty royally just the next day. That just seems to be... What happens? What does it look like for us to follow God with our lives, to really, like, hopefully grow more and more into who God would want us to be? And I think sometimes when we think about that, we can be a little bit overwhelmed and think, wow, I, just, I, I don't even know how that would be possible or what that would look like. But I always think of the disciples who are just a, just a group of misfits, just people who just don't really have it all together. They're constantly doing the wrong thing. Jesus is saying one thing and they totally don't get it. They don't even understand. Every disciple deserts, deserts Jesus. It's not just like Peter and Judas who royally failed. Everybody's gone when Jesus dies because they have no expectation that he's going to rise again, even though he has told them this over and over and over again, if any of you are in education, you probably know what that feels like. <laughs> Let me, I'll give you most of the answers on the test. Here we go. And Jesus tried to do this with his disciples, but they just don't seem to get it. And you see the life and ministry of Jesus, but then that continues on in the book of Acts, one of my favorite passages, as the disciples are, are starting to get this movement going and, and some outside people who are observing what is going on, they describe the disciples and say, these are just like unschooled, ordinary people, which is a real backhand, backhanded compliment. Like these are just like normal people. How is it that, that God is doing such powerful things through them? And I think it's because after they had all of these experiences with Jesus, they learned something about continuing to lean into the power that Jesus has, that God has, that is still more available to us than we might think. And a story that helps illustrate this is found in Mark chapter 8. So Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 22, 
starts with a story and then kind of continues on to this really important conversation. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hand on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. So there's one aspect of this story that's very interesting that really I could talk about for a long time. It's really more of like a a Bible class conversation called the Messianic Secret, where Jesus seems to keep saying like, don't tell anybody about me. He takes this guy outside of town and he says, don't go back into the village yet. This is an interesting thing. Scholars are unsure exactly why Jesus is doing it. Also, it's pretty much pointless. It's like telling these people, don't talk about your healing. Like, it doesn't really work. And so they continue. So he, I think he's trying to say, like, don't get this out too soon. He's waiting for uh, his moment and trying to get people to understand exactly what his ministry uh, is going to be about. But it clearly doesn't work because the crowds just keep getting larger and larger. And this scene is just so interesting. You think about this man who is blind in this moment and... Jesus turns into like Larry the Cable Guy and is like hawking a loogie, like, like what, what is going on in this? And then like he touches his eyes once and it doesn't quite work. That's atypical. Jesus is usually a one and done type guy. <laughs> it's like, hey, that, that person was lame. Now they're walking again. This is a very interesting Story. I, I relate to it, the trees walking around. I have to tell you, I'm, I'm extremely blind. If I don't have my contacts or my glasses in, you all would look like trees sitting there to me. Uh, when Manny and I got married, uh, one of the first mornings that we had together, she looked over and I was looking at my phone like this, and she was like, oh, I've made a terrible mistake. And this, is, this isn't somebody that's going to protect me in the middle of the night. He doesn't have any idea what's going on. So I relate to this guy who he, he starts to get a little bit healed, but he just sees the, these trees just wandering around. And so Jesus touches his eyes again. And Mark is a, a very brilliant storyteller. And I think he tells us this story to help interpret what's happening next. Because the disciples and all of us are going to need this multiple touch because he then has this conversation, which I would describe as a DTR. If you haven't had a DTR, it's define the relationship, try and figure out uh, where you are. And so this conversation happens immediately after this, where Jesus is in asking his disciples, like, who is it that people say that I am. So continuing in verse 27, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Then this messianic secret, Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. And this is a conversation as Jesus is talking with his disciples. They say some pretty important names. Some people say that you're Elijah. Some people say that you're one of the prophets. Some people say that you're John the Baptist, come back to earth. These are all like very important, significant figures that all of them would have said. Those are very important people. And then Peter, he's got the right answer. You are the Messiah. He says, you are the one that we've all been waiting for 
and anticipating. And this is one of those moments that you just want to clap and say, great job, Peter. Like, well done. You got it right. If you're in Bible school, you know a good, good strategy is just answer Jesus for any question. But he, he like answers like, you are the Messiah. You're the one that we have all been waiting for. And, and Mark, this is really the, the center. It's actually, when you read your Bibles, there's chapters and verses. Those weren't originally on there. Those have been put for our sake, but it really comes at, this story comes at the center of Mark as he it tells these, these stories and helps us to understand who Jesus is. It's at the center of it, but I think it truly is the center of this story because this is what the Messiah means. And Mark opens up the very beginning. There's some movies that start like just telling you this is what this movie is going to be about. And that's what Mark opens with. He says at the beginning of Mark chapter one, verse one, this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah. It's, it's not on there. Thanks, Corbin. Not, not on there, but just opens up by saying, this is the good news about Jesus, who is the Messiah. So from the very beginning, Mark is showing his cards. This is who I'm writing about. It's the Messiah. And so we finally have this scene as the disciples are having this, this DTR moment with Jesus as they're talking about, well, some people say that you're this guy. Some people say that you're that guy, but you are the Messiah. We go, wow, Peter, great job. That's amazing. You got it right. And then unfortunately it continues. Because then Jesus begins to teach. He says, wow, you guys do understand this. And so in verse 31 and 32, uh, Mark chapter 8 uh, says this. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Which is not a good look, Right? So Peter makes this unbelievable claim. You are the Messiah. And then Jesus says, well done, Peter. You're right. Now let me tell you what that means. And then Jesus is interrupted by Peter. Peter says, you know, I'm going to let you finish, but <laughs> he pulls him aside and says, hey, hey, Jesus, you know, let me just explain to you, like, what this Messiah thing is about. Because obviously you're not getting it. I wonder how often we find ourselves in this moment. And one thing that this story tells me is, as somebody who, who claims to be a follower of Jesus... I have to constantly hold that in humility. And I have to constantly understand that it is always going to be a journey. And I might get like some aspect of things right that God is calling me to do in a specific moment at one time in my life, but I have to continue to come at this whole thing with a posture of humility. Because this is hard. Just because you claim to follow Jesus doesn't really mean anything. Just because you have the right answers. And then even further than that, just because I think sometimes we mistake uh, like following Jesus for passion. Like we see some like really passionate Jesus followers and we're like, wow, I mean, that, that takes a lot of passion. Because the word rebuke, Peter takes him aside, that's a very active word. Like it's a word that is like, he is like from, from like deep within him, he is telling Jesus, no, 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 you don't understand Jesus. You're not supposed to be about this. And then 
Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan, which it's always a bad day when Jesus calls you Satan. Like that's, that's not, that's not a, a good look. But what he's communicating is Jesus is, is human. And I believe at times he, he's tempted to not do what God has called him to do. And we see him praying in the garden if there's any other way, please hook me up here. If there's any other way that we could do this, I would love to not go through the painful way. So Jesus is tempted to do this whole kingdom of God thing without the cross. Just like we are. Because as we think about following God, it isn't just an answer that you gave one time a long time ago. It's, dude, weren't you baptized yesterday? And weren't you, didn't you commit to something different? And luckily I don't have my brother critiquing me every day all the time. But there are, are times that we need to recognize that it's going to take some real work to see clearly. And we need to continue to go to Jesus over and over again. And just because we had the right answer once a long time ago, or just because like we're able to say the right thing, it, it doesn't mean that we're being who God has called us to be. Because Peter's there to raise his hand and we're like, wow, congratulations, you got the right answer. And then when Jesus says, that's so great, good job, let me explain that to you. He's like, no, 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 we don't want a Messiah like that. It's so easy for us to not live into the calling that we all have. Because it's hard. It takes work. It takes self-denial. It takes going to Jesus over and over again. And that's why I think this story then interprets, there's this, this very weird story about Jesus like doing this healing and it not quite like working. He, it works a little bit of the way. We need to go to Jesus again and again and again. We need to continue to allow God's spirit and presence to lead us. We always have to be humble in how we approach this. Just as this guy, he needed to get his eyesight cleaned out. It took not once, but twice. And for Peter, he makes the right claim, but then it's not really who God's calling him to be. And then Jesus teaches his disciples, and he teaches us. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me, and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will come and be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Jesus reminds the disciples who are gathered there, and he reminds us that ultimately following God is a journey of self-denial. And it's not just saying the right thing in a given moment. It's understanding that 
It's going to be hard. If you waited to do all the things that God would call you to do, like think about forgiving somebody. If you wait until it feels right to forgive somebody, it's never going to happen. Especially when it's something that somebody has done that is really wrong and very, very hurtful. If you wait until it feels right. And of course, I think that forgiveness is a journey and there may be points when you're not ready to to forgive somebody. I understand that it's a journey, but are you on that process? Are you working in that direction? Because it isn't just about an answer that is the right one for a moment. We continue to need to have our vision set. I'm sure there's something that you think about right now. There's things that I think about right now that I need to to deny myself in to walk a little bit better in the path that Jesus has called me to. Because we live in a time that it seems to be pretty self-centered and and self-focused. I saw a few years ago, this, this was released. I'll try to step out of the way of it. And there's a picture that I have up there. Yeah, so... This is a guide. Unfortunately, it's coming double on on this for some reason. But uh, this is a guide to taking safe selfies in Russia. And I don't speak Russian, uh, but I can tell based on the pictures, like, what some of the things are. Like, don't take a selfie in front of a dangerous animal. Um, Don't take a selfie when you're leaning out of the boat. Don't take a selfie while holding a gun. Like, be careful taking a selfie on a cliff. Uh, be careful taking a selfie in front of a train. And the, the fact that this exists is very troubling for our world, right? Like, the fact that this guide has to be produced, that, you know, be really careful about the, the selfies that, that you're taking if you're perhaps in really dangerous situations. And this isn't just a Russia problem. This is for all of us. Like, we, we, you know, you, you, you want to stop and you take the picture. I, I think that we are just... A, a generation that is, is focused on like our, ourselves and doing that thing. It's always, you think about the gospel, it's just so counter to the way that we often live. To truly like give of, of yourself and to choose to do that again and again. And I think this is what it means to be in a faith community. Because what we do is we gather together as as a community, as we get to know each other, as we uh, support each other. It's so powerful when we recognize that one of the things about a church community is you don't choose who comes. Some of you have some people who come to your mind. I wouldn't necessarily choose that person. I would choose all of you, but some of you don't know. You, You don't choose who shows up. You don't know who's going to show up. And it might be somebody who gets under your skin a little bit. But you need to be drawn out of yourself. I need to be drawn out of myself. I was reading an article about the the value of, of church community. I saw this quote, and I think it's just a great Uh, understanding. We need others to draw us out of ourselves, people to love and be loved by, to hear about their hopes and fears and needs, even slash especially people we wouldn't choose. 
We need other people who might bore us, annoy us, forgive us, and care for us when we're too proud to ask for it. Church understands that in a very real sense, we require freedom from ourselves. And that's what Jesus is teaching. But it's something we need to be reminded of over and over again. We need God's spirit to convict us, to touch us, not just once where we have the right answer. We need people to draw us out of ourselves and to remember who it is that we're called to be. We need to remember that our calling is self-denial and not selfie. It's about learning to over and over again. Lay down your life for something that's greater than you. I think about what happened last week in our church. As I mentioned, I was out of town and um, Philip and Austin and I had an idea to just let people from our church community share uh, some of their experiences during COVID. And I would just highly recommend checking out that service. Just You can just stop this one and go watch that one. No, please don't. <laughs> Finish it up. We're almost done. We're almost there. But I, I, was, I was talking with, with a friend who was here last week, uh, yesterday, and he said that's the most powerful church service he's ever been to. And I know from my experience that if I would have asked, there were eight individuals who shared, I know if I would have asked uh, many of those people, probably most of those people, if I would have said, hey, could you preach for me that week? They would have said, no, I'm I'm not, I'm no no preacher, because I've had that experience, because I ask people to preach and they don't always do it. So I know that if I would have said, hey, can you you preach for me, because I'm going to be out of town, you'd go, oh no, I, I just, I can't do that. But you all preached last week. And you did an amazing job. And again, I would highly recommend going and checking out that service. But what happens when we just submit like our own life experiences? And some of you shared like you weren't even sure about God during COVID. And like just honestly just just shared like your own experiences and what you all went through. And it's just so powerful when we just don't listen to self-doubt and don't listen to this stuff and just say, I'm just going to offer what I have and trust that God can work through it. And that's what I think the disciples learned more than anything. They really like failed Jesus and let him down in the the end moment. But then as Jesus is raised, he goes to be with the disciples because it's not about that. He can continue to restore you and push you forward. And if you just offer what you have, like unschooled, like ordinary people can do unbelievable things. Men and women last week who would have said, no, 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 I'm not going to preach. You guys did an amazing job because you just offered up your stories and your experiences and God worked through y'all. Hey, we always remember that. That Christian faith is about over and over again offering like our talents and and our gifts and our brokenness at times and just saying, God, I'm going to trust you with this. Because you have called me to deny myself. And I'm not going to go to you and tell you what you should think or what you should do or pull you aside like Peter does, like even though Peter got it right for a minute. I'm going to try my best 
to deny myself and to take up the cross that you invite me to. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. May we follow Jesus over and over again and to understand for all of us that it isn't a point that we arrive at, that we're just going to be there forever. We need to over and over again go to Jesus that our eyes be right. We need our vision to be clear because Peter can see, but he can't really quite see. And we can see. We can't really quite get it until we turn over what we have. And we say, I deny myself to follow you. Let's pray together. God, I know for me, there's very real things that I think of as far as how I could apply this. May we take your words seriously. That we are, are called to, to self-denial and to turn over at times our ambitions and, and our hopes and to just trust that you are watching over us. May we, in a world that is often just very focused on ourselves, may we seek your kingdom. May we understand that you teach us about learning to, to give ourselves away. May we hear these important words and that challenge us to take up our cross every single day. Your son, Jesus, and I pray. Amen.